Descend from me as to how you will know me. Asamshayam, without any doubt, samagram, in totality. So, how you will know me in totality, without any doubt, now listen from me as to how this kind of knowledge will take place. <coughs> in the first line of this verse, three qualifications are given. For the devotee who is qualified for this kind of knowledge, first is, Mai Asaktamanaha, become one whose mind is attached to me. As I said, when it comes to bhakti or devotion, then attachment is important. In any relationship, attachment is important. People often ask this question also, Swamiji, what to do with about attachment? So attachment for the members of the family, attachment for the spouse. So how to become detached? The answer is don't become detached. Because attachment is required, then alone there can be care and concern. Without attachment you can't do anything. And so, as far as the people who are very close to us are concerned, Attachment is required, attachment is there, is required also. Because then alone, <clears throat> I mean all children are, are wonderful, but then my children, there is some special relationship. My house, some special relationship is there. And so I cannot say that I am detached, all children are equal to me. 
Hopefully not all spouse are what is there, they cannot be there is an attachment. A special relationship is there definitely, you know. So it cannot be equal. It's not required also. So as far as that attachment is concerned, Lord Krishna prescribes Anabhishvanga. You know, absolute excessive attachment. Let that not be excessive attachment. So attachment is there. But then here Lord Krishna says, May your mind be attached to me. Meaning that let all the attachment ultimately be centered on me. And fortunately as Veda, as Bhagavad Gita teaches us the nature of Ishvara, attachment to Ishvara ultimately involves attachment to everybody else. But first, attachment to Ishvara. What is meant by attachment to Ishvara? Well, whatever it is that I think Ishvara is, start with that. Whatever in my opinion is Ishvara, attachment to that. If I think that a given form, a vigraha, a devata is, is ishta devata is Ishvara, if that is my concept, attachment to that, begin with that. And thus, at our home there may be an altar, there is small little Krishna or whatever my ishta devata is, whoever is a devata or, or form of Lord that I worship, attachment to that. What this attachment to Ishvara does is it enables me to my to make my mind free from other attachments, free from other thoughts, and attachment enables me to be able to devote my mind to thinking of the Lord. This morning we said that it is important, very important thing is that there is maintain a stream of thought in my mind about the Lord. We also said that ultimately as we think, so we are. If my mind all the time thinks about Ishvara, then mind will become of that form of Ishvara. Ultimately, I become one with Ishvara. So when it comes to bhakti or the devotion, then there is this maintaining of this, this the thought form, because there is this process of becoming also. Knowing as well as becoming, upasana, in as far as uh, worship is concerned, there is a complete transformation that takes place in my mind. And therefore, maintaining the thought of the Lord, whatever I think to be Lord. Ultimately, the nature of Ishvara that is revealed in Bhagavad Gita is, as you know very well, that everything is Ishvara. As Lord Krishna will say that, matta faratanam nanyat kinchi dasti dhananjaya, Hey Dhananjaya, there is nothing other than me. The material cause also I am, the efficient cause also I am. The creator also I am, and the creation also I am. And this will be subsequently described in other chapters also. Like in the tenth chapter, Lord Krishna describes how the whole universe is nothing but his glory. So, in order to enable us to be able to meditate on the Lord, think of him, Special ways glories are described, vibhutis are described. In the seventh chapter also, Lord Krishna will describe special glories or manifestations. In the ninth chapter also, in the tenth chapter also. In the eleventh chapter, in fact, there is a beautiful description of the cosmic form of the Lord. All of this is being told ultimately for us to understand that whatever it is, is manifestation of Ishwara. But it is recognized that 
it is difficult for me to right away see Ishvara or God in everything because I have my own views of who Ishvara is or how he should be. I have my own likes and dislikes and therefore it is right away difficult to see Ishvara everywhere. And therefore there are tempers, there are places of worship, therefore there are specific forms in which we worship Ishvara. Not that Ishvara is confined to the temple only to the form. But this is how we start our worship. That is an excellent way of helping our mind to be focused. Because the form in front of me is an enchanting form. Something that is enchanting, something that is charming, something that inspires in me the devotion. So whether it is Krishna or it is Rama or Shiva or whatever form it is. This is just the beginning. Ultimately what is intended here is that may you be able to see Ishvara as the self of all. As the one who is all-knowing, one who is all-omnipotent, I mean one who is almighty, and one who as we say it is the well-wisher of all, one whose grace is always there upon everybody, and by whose grace everything is done. That in my life also there is constantly the manifestation of the grace of the Lord. So that also helps us to appreciate Ishwara as to how in our life constantly we are enjoying His grace, how He is intimately involved in my life, how every moment and everything that I do, Ishwara is. And Lord Krishna will tell us how. Lord Krishna will tell us, Buddhi Buddhimatamasmi, I am the intelligence of the intelligent. Tejas Tejasvinamaham, I am the very brilliance of the brilliant. Balam Balavatam Chaham, I am the very strength of the strong, and thus Lord is most intimately involved. So, thus more we understand the glories of the Lord, more we find it easier to be able to dwell upon the Lord. And so in order to discover attachment or love for anyone, it is always best to know their greatness or their glories. Although in the world sometimes it may happen that more you know about a person, less attached you become. That may happen. In the world it can be because sometimes it's better not to know too much, you know, because if you know too much about a person then you get disenchanted, disillusioned also. But that is not going to be the case with Ishvara. More we know about him, more enchanted we will become. And therefore, knowing the glories of the Lord, knowing the greatness of the Lord, is a sure way of developing attachment or affection for him. There is a verse which says, Mahatma Jnana Purvastu, the sneha or the love that we have, the affection that we have for Ishvara, to the extent that it is based on the knowledge of the glory, the graceness of the Lord, to that extent it is going to be an abiding devotion. Everybody has some devotion for Ishvara. Generally, we, we grow, we are raised in our families and the family has a certain tradition of worship and so some kind of devotion we do have. As we grow up also, we listen to various stories of Ramayana, Bhagavata, Mahabharata and that is how we have the samskaras. And we also are accustomed to some forms of worship that are going on in the family and we also do that. We also now and then go to the temples and do various things. But then, this devotion that we have is subject to being shaken up. Because when I am devoted to the Lord, then there is always some expectation from Lord also. There is usually the 
that's usually the relationships that we have. That when I do something for you, there's an expectation that you also will do something for me. And so when we are worshipping Ishwar also, usually, I expect that Ishwar also, Lord also should do something for me. Some expectation is there. So many people tell that Swamiji, I believe in God. How do you believe in God? Swamiji, whatever I want, He always does for me. And so the, the reason why he believes in God is because God does whatever he wants. So many people treat Ishwara as a servant, you know, and then they make various requisitions that I want this and I want that. And if Ishwara fulfills those requisitions, then he's in, you know, Ishwara is lucky because then this person continues to believe in him. But suppose they doesn't do that. Suppose my desires are not fulfilled. Suppose I do not get what I want. So in spite of performing prayers, in spite of doing this puja, in spite of doing all of this, still Lord Ishwara doesn't do anything for me. Suppose such a thing happens, then what? Then in all likelihood my shraddha or my faith in Ishwara or God is going to be shaken up. So therefore it is said, sudradha. That sneha, the attachment, the affection, the liking, the the the, love, the devotion that we have should be sudra, should be very firm. So we should continue to listen to the glories of the Lord, continue to know more and more about, continue to know more and more about Him, or more about Ishvara, so that we know His greatness, we know His nature, we know His grace, we know that He is always kind, and. He is always benevolent. So more we know about the benevolence of the Lord, more we recognize that not only is all-knowing, not only is omniscient and omnipotent, almighty, but that he is benevolent. Because if Ishwara is omniscient, that is fine. He knows everything. He is almighty, meaning that he is capable of fulfilling all my desires. But that is not enough. He may know what I want, and he may be even capable of giving me what I want, but he may not care for me. And therefore, sometimes people know what we want. You go and ask somebody, may I have, will you please lend me hundred thousand dollars? Now he has plenty of money. He doesn't care to do that, so he knows. Somebody cares, but he doesn't have hundred thousand dollars, and also he cannot help. So knowledge is there, but power is not there. Power is there, and knowledge also is there, but person just doesn't care also. So here the knowledge also is there that he knows exactly what I want. He has the capacity also to fulfill my desire. At the same time, he is benevolent, he is compassionate, he is kind. So more I discover that benevolence of Lord in my life, more I discover his grace in my life, then the idea that he is benevolent, that will become more and more confirmed. And that is how, and that all that, I, I recognize that, what all is being done for me without me asking for it. Even when I did not know, did not even ask for things, I did not know that I have to ask for something, I was always given things. And I recognize this in my life, and more and more recognize the grace of the Lord in my life, that it is there, then my heart will go for Him, and that is how I discover a devotion or attachment for the Lord. <clears throat> so here, discovery of devotion is 
result of the knowledge of the Lord, result of the knowing the greatness or glories of the Lord. Maya Saktamanaha, so Arjuna, become one whose mind is asaktam, is attached to me. And listen to me, how, as to how your mind will be attached to me. So Lord Krishna says, I am going to tell you about myself, about Ishvara, such that you will discover an attachment or devotion for the Lord. <clears throat> so this is one requirement. Other is yoga Yunjan. May you, all, may you also undertake what we call yoga. Now one meaning of the word yoga is karma yoga. In the earlier chapters it is explained. What is meant by yoga is performing the actions in the spirit of offering to the Lord. Svakarmana tabhmiharcha siddhim vindati Performing our day-to-day activities in the spirit of devotion, in the spirit of offering to the Lord. So, when you have the love or devotion, that devotion will automatically find its expression in terms of service. When you are devoted to somebody, when you love somebody, you want to do something for somebody. It cannot be that I love you very much, but I don't care to do anything for you. Then that love has no meaning. Or I do a lot of things, but I, have no, I don't care for you. Then that, that service also has no meaning. Meaning I serve somebody without love or I love somebody without service. Both of them become incomplete. So when love is there, then service also is automatically there. For the very simple reason that when I love somebody, then it is my pleasure to do something for that somebody. And that, that doing itself becomes a reward. When I do something out of love, then there is no further reward required. Because doing itself is a fulfillment. As, as uh, Sage Narada explains, that when there is love, then you become happy when the, the one you love becomes happy. So when there is love, there is, it is my pleasure to make the other person happy because my happiness comes from the happiness of the one whom I love. And therefore, love is its own reward. So the bhakti is its own reward. And so, yoga Yunjan we perform actions in spirit of my service. Now, it can be that day-to-day action that I perform, I perform with this spirit, that may the Lord be pleased with this. Anena Parameshwara Priyatam. May the Lord be pleased with what I am going to do. But Swami, how do I know how He is going to be pleased? How do I know that Lord will be pleased by my action? What, what kind of action should I perform? Or how should I perform the action to assure that Lord will be pleased by the action? Then the, the rule is rather simple. Do whatever it is that the Lord does. Because He is manifest before us in the form of this universe. And we can take the lesson from the way He conducts Himself. As Lord Krishna will describe in this chapter, his manifestation here in the form of these five elements, space, air, fire, water, earth, and then sun and moon, this is all his manifestations. And look anywhere, you find service constantly being done. The space accommodates everybody, first of all in nature, 
we find an absence of what we call raga and dvesha, attachment and aversion. There is no partiality anywhere. The sun illumines the whole universe without partiality. Where somebody is poor or rich, somebody is a devotee of the sun or somebody may not be devotee. There are people who worship sun and they perform the sun salutation. They, they recite various mantras, they do the Gayatri, they do the Sandhyamandaram. So Surya or the sun will say that if here is my devotee, maybe I'll send my light, you know, preferably here. And this fellow doesn't worship me, therefore I'll keep my light away from him. No such thing. There is no partiality. It is difficult, but then, as we see, no likes and dislikes, no attachment, no partiality, no cruelty. The water of the Ganges, the river serves everybody. Some people, in fact, foul up that place. Because some people have no reverence for this. There are some who have reverence for the Ganges. So when we go to Rishikesh and take a dip in the Ganges, then we think that this is goddess. So that is also worship, by the way. This is what Hinduism teaches us. That ultimately what counts is the bhavana, or the spirit that we have. Taking dip in the water of Ganges. If your spirit is there, I am taking dip in Ganges that is goddess, well, that's the result. If you think that you are taking dip in simple water, that's the result. In fact, you need not even go to the Ganges. Just the bucket of water in which you take bath every day. You can invoke all the rivers. Gangeche, Yamuneche, Godavari, Sarvai, one river. All the seven major rivers of India are invoked in that bucket of water. And then take the bath. It may be equivalent to taking bath in all the rivers. If, if you mean what you say when you chant that verse, you know. So, may all the rivers be present in this water. And then, so if that bhavana is there, if that spirit is there, then that water is as good as the Ganges water or water coming from all the rivers. So it is that bhavana. And that is why if you have a bhavana or the spirit of God in a little form also, then that's what you are worshipping. It's not that you are worshipping some stone or little idol, but you are worshipping nothing but Lord because you don't look upon that as stone. What matters how you look upon that. If, invo- if it invokes in you, the idea of God, then that is God for you. So that is how we find everywhere this constant service, self-offering, yajna or the self-offering is the very spirit of the entire creation with no likes and dislikes, no, no partiality, no cruelty. The space accommodates everybody and everything equally. The air also sustains the life of all the living beings. The water quenches the thirst of all the living beings. The fire gives warmth to everybody. The earth supports everybody. And so, worshipping Lord, if you don't want to worship a certain form, you don't want to worship the Lord in a certain name and form, you want to worship Lord as manifest to the whole universe, then you can imitate him. Like earth, support everybody. Like water, quench everybody's thirst. Like fire, give warmth to everybody. Like air, support life of everybody. At least somebody, if not everybody. Somebody. <laughs>
meaning that that love or devotion that we have should manifest in, in it should become uh, it should manifest in form of some action and so as Swami says that whatever bhavana or spirit that should be physicalized if you have the if the spirit or the desire to worship the Lord physicalize the desire and so different ways of serving the Lord do what he does or perform the actions at least based on the, the value, the values of self-offering. Let that be the value, let that be the spirit behind your actions. And so, maya saktamanaha, asakti or the attachment of the love that you have for the Lord, may that manifest itself in the form of your actions. <coughs> Yoga union. So in the heart, there is love for the Lord. Hands and legs and speech, there is action or service to the Lord. Yoga Munjan, Madashraya. The third condition here is that may I be your Ashraya, the refuge. So, may you be surrendered to me. May you look upon me for all, the fulfillment of all your desires and everything. Madashraya. So, that may I be your refuge. Now, just to understand what this means. That I can have asakti or attachment for one, and I may be supported by someone else, I may seek the support of someone else. I may be working for my employ employer, and so he is my ashraya, he is my refuge, I am surrendered to him. But my attachment can be for my family, you know. So I may be attached to one, at the same time working for someone else. Here Lord Krishna says that Maya Saktamanaha Madashraya That you are attached to me also, that means you want me also, and I am the very end also, as well as means also. So may the means also be Ishwara and end also is Ishwara. Madashraya. So that I am devoted to the Lord because I want Lord. We can be devoted to the Lord all right, but we may want other things, you know. People may be devoted to Ishvara and they make various offerings. But inside what they want, O oh Lord, I am offering you five dollars here. So that I may have the benefit of five hundred dollars. There's nothing wrong in it, but this also can be. So we may make sort of a trade with the Lord. You know. And Lord Krishna will talk about those devotees also. So who will make a deal with the Lord. This is what I do for you, and this is what you should do for me. But first you fulfill your end of the contract, then I will make my offering. <laughs> Most people, you know, they say that if we have a son or if we have a child, then we will do this particular pilgrimage in India. After they have the child, then they will go and do that. Or if, if such and such thing happens, we'll make this offering to the Lord. So first that thing should happen, meaning Lord should first fulfill his end of the contract, and then alone we will fulfill our contract. It's okay. Ishwa, he doesn't mind anything. He is all kinds of devotees and therefore he is a, a tremendous amount. He is the most large-hearted one, you know, because he accommodates everybody. But here, Lord Krishna says, you worship me for my sake. Madhashraya, you worship me for my sake. Meaning that I worship the Lord because 
I, all I want is him, and nothing less than that. <coughs> you know this, this uh, so we should also know what kind of a desire to entertain. Whenever we perform any action, there is usually a desire that prompts that action. And at least we should know how to desire also. So when Lord Krishna says, Madashraya, then he is telling us as though what kind of desire we should entertain. When I worship the Lord, why should I want anything less than Him? He is infinite. He is everything and therefore why should I want anything less than Him? If I want something limited, I approach Him and I want something limited, that just doesn't make sense. You go to the President of the United States, you know, and then what do you want? Give me five dollars or some such thing, you know. When he gives you an interview, you don't ask for that kind of thing. You ask for something big because he's a big person. And so, so when you go to the Lord, don't ask for these silly, silly little things. In fact, what the, you know, I mean, President can give me, I do not know, but here this, as far as Ishwara is concerned, he can give himself to us. I don't think president can make another president, you know. He doesn't have that power to make me the president of the United States. Suppose I go to him and say, I want to be the president, you know, he can't help me. But suppose I go to the Lord and say, I want you, he says, yes, you can help me. So when that is a possibility, then why should I ever ask for anything limited? Why should I settle for anything limited? Do not settle for limited in the life. Always, always, I mean, you know, aim, aim always very big. So there is a saying that aim should always be big. Whether arrow strikes the target or not is a different matter, but the target should always be most exalted. And so, Madashraya, I approach the Lord, worship the Lord for the sake of the Lord. And secondly also, Madashraya, recognizing that it is simply by the grace of the Lord that I can achieve whatever I can. A recognition. Suppose I have devotion in my heart. I should recognize that that is also due to the grace of the Lord. You know how long, how many hours do I spend every day in my worship? You know how many malas I do? How much japa I do? Some people feel very proud. But we should know that, that I can repeat his name. That also is possible only by his grace. That I can worship him is also possible by his grace. Really? It is not just, it is not a joke at all that we are here. It is by His grace. And then we sit in front of Lord Dakshinamurti and then recite, by His grace. Because when the Aarti time will come, not everybody is going to be there, you know. Then everybody has their own agenda and there will be few who will participate in the, in the recital. Some people don't know, some people don't want, some people don't care, whatever the thing is. But that we can do something. When we go to the dining, dining hall, then there are some people who want to chant the 15th chapter of Gita. The people, it's okay, they come after everything is over, you know. But then I have a desire to chant. Then I'm able to chant. All of these, we should know, is nothing but grace of the Lord. And therefore a devotee is very clear that whatever I'm able to do, even in terms of the worship of the Lord, is purely by His grace. He does not see any great, uh, uh, any great ability on His part. He appreciates that as nothing but the grace of the Lord.
So thus the devotee is always, in fact, in the tenth chapter, Lord Krishna will say also. When the bhakta or the devotee has the knowledge of the Lord, how does it happen? Lord Krishna says that when I find that my devotees are totally committed to me, Tesham Satadyuktanam Bhajatam Pridipurvakam. When I find that my devotees are worshipping me out of love for me, they want nothing else from me at all, so when I find that, then Dadami Buddhyogam Tam, then I give them that knowledge. I who is residing at the heart, I light the lamp of knowledge in the heart and dispel the darkness of ignorance. And so when I know the Lord, even as my own self, is it I who knows him? Or is he who reveals himself to me is very hard to say. But at least in the same chapter, Lord Krishna says that I reveal myself to them. And the mantra that he quoted from the Upanishad yesterday, The Lord or the Self can be attained by the one who chooses him. Before a devotee like that, the Self of the Lord reveals his true nature. Thus, when the river merges into the ocean, it is hard to say whether the river is merged or the ocean has received, because sometimes you find that the waters of the ocean, in fact, come to the river for quite a long distance, you know. And thus the devotee is very clear that it is by grace of the Lord that I will even know Him. It is by His grace that I worship Him. It is by His grace that I know Him. This is called Madashraya. And therefore, no other ashraya. We take refuge of many things depending upon what end we are seeking. If someone is seeking heavens, for example, then there are rituals that you can perform, supposedly, to reach heavens. Then depending upon the goal or the end that you have in mind, you choose a particular means. As Swamiji was saying, the sadhya and sadhana. The sadhana, the means that you have chosen, is dependent upon the end that you have in mind. Here, Lord is the end in mind, and Lord is a very means also. Madhashraya. When this happens, Maya Saktamanaha, when your mind is attached to the Lord, and therefore thinking about the Lord, Yogam Yunjan, that you, whatever you do is done in the spirit of worship of the Lord. Madhashraya, that you only want Lord, and nothing else, and also recognition, that is by grace of the Lord that all this happens. When this is done, then you will understand me in my totality. Asamshayam samagrammam yathagnyasasi. You will, you will know me in my entirety without any doubt that this is how the Lord is. And what is meant by knowing the Lord in entirety is knowing Him both manifest in names and forms as well as the one who transcends the forms. So in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna will teach us what's the nature of Lord. One who is immanent, at the same time transcendence. So transcendence, that is the ultimate nature of the Lord. That which is what we call Nirguna, or Nirakara, or Nirvishesha, unconditioned, beyond the names and forms and attributes. At the same time, the same Lord that transcends all the attributes is manifest in all the attributes also, and therefore to recognize Him in every name and form as well.
So he transcends everything. At the same time, he pervades everything. So this goes samagram. How you know me is all pervasive, meaning that as eminent as well as transcendent. Asamshayam, without any doubt. So this is a knowledge that leaves no doubt at all. And there will be no doubt when ultimately I recognize that whatever there is, is Ishvara. If Ishvara was confined to a place, Ishvara was confined to a form, Ishvara was confined to some specific attribute, then I could not be sure whether or not I have known him correctly or not. But we know that whatever it is, is Ishvara. Then there is no doubt at all, so assumption without any doubt, you will know all my glories, you mean you will know me as immanent in everything, at the same time transcending everything, meaning you will know it as your own self. This is the pratigna, or this is the proposition that the Lord makes, the introduction to all these six chapters. <coughs> the second verse is an introduction to the seventh chapter itself. So we said that a, a new section has begun with the seventh chapter. So first verse serves as introduction to what we'll find in all the six chapters, meaning from seven to twelve. What we find in the second verse, here Lord Krishna describes what is to be found in the seventh chapter that is being studied. So let us read the second verse. Jnanam teham savignanam idam vakshyam yasheshataha yadnyatvaneha bhuyonyata Jnānam te aham savijñānam idam vakshāmi asheshataha Here Arjuna, jnānam the knowledge, savijñānam, vijñāne sahavarta is savijñānam, along with the vijñānam. Arjuna will tell you, Jnanam along with Vijnanam. Look at him, you know, without Arjuna asking for anything. He says, I'll, I'll tell you this, I will teach you this, I will give you this. Asheshataha, without leaving anything, without omitting anything at all. I will tell you in its entirety. Meaning that I will tell you until you come to know. The commitment of the teacher is, to continue to teach the disciple until the disciple comes to know whatever it is that the teacher wants him to know. Asheshata, without living any, omitting anything, I will tell you jnanam and vijnanam. So these two words are used together, jnanam and vijnanam. Generally both of them mean knowledge. Jnanam also means knowledge and vijnanam also means knowledge. <coughs> So if any one of the words is used at the time, then generally that is what the meaning would be. But in as much as Lord Krishna uses these two words together, so, savijnanam jnanam, I will tell you jnanam along with vijnanam, then we have to make, you know, we have to interpret them, explain them somewhat differently. Jnanam, so says jnanam means knowledge, vijnanam, immediate knowledge. Thus there are two, these two expressions. Paroksha jnanam 
એના પરોક્ષ જ્ઞાન પરોક્ષ જ્ઞાનમ ઇનડાયરેક્ટ નોલેજ અપરોક્ષ જ્ઞાનમ ઇમિડિયેટ નોલેજ અપરોક્ષ પરોક્ષ મીન્સ દેટ વિચ ઇઝ અવે યુ નો પર એન્ડ અક્ષ અક્ષ મીન્સ અવર આઈઝ ઓર સેન્સ ઓર્ગન્સ સો દેટ વિચ ઇઝ અવે ફોર રિમોટ ટુ સેન્સ ઓર્ગન્સ ઇઝ કોલ પરોક્ષ ફોર એક્ઝામ્પલ જસ્ટ ટુ ગીવ એન એક્ઝામ્પલ ઓફ વોટ ઇઝ મેન બાય પરોક્ષ ઓર ઇનડાયરેક્ટ નોલેજ ઇઝ વી સી અ સ્મોક અરાઇઝિંગ ફ્રોમ અ હિલોક એટ અ ડિસ્ટન્સ દેન વી કેન ઇન્ફર that there must be fire why do you say that so parvato vannimaan the standard example parvato vannimaan this parvata hillock is vannimaan has fire there how do you say that dhumatvaad because there is smoke so what we see is smoke and what we infer is fire and how does it happen what makes us infer the presence of fire when we actually see only smoke we not seen the fire because we know yatra yatra dhuma tatra tatra vannihi wherever smoke is the fire must be there cannot be smoke without fire <coughs> and i see the smoke therefore i can infer the presence of fire so seeing the smoke in my mind the knowledge of fire takes place what kind of knowledge that is is what we call paroksha jnana indirect knowledge knowledge is there of the presence of fire but i have not seen the fire with my eyes so we say it is indirect knowledge paroksha jnana when i go to that place and see the fire it becomes aparoksha jnana immediate knowledge so paroksha and aparoksha like swami used to give us the tell us the story that prayers once upon a time when he was traveling in australia then he must have been in satsang talking about various things and talking about the sweets in india and i think talked about laddu so what's a laddu that sweet ball he was describing it is of the shape of a ping pong it's the size of a ping pong ball and it has the uh, it is yellow in color and describe a texture and all this and how how the taste is and how the the, the flavor is and all of this was described so thus the listeners could understand what a laddu is it's only that one of them happened to visit india and then came to ashram one of these days and that happened to be day of bhiksha so when we were in the ashram studying there as brahmacharis there used to be bhiksha days so people sponsor these days also it is happening people sponsor the bhiksha for all the brahmacharis and usually when the bhiksha bhiksha means the 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 food or the meal when it is sponsored usually there is always a sweet and so ours was called bhiksha batch you know the fellows were before us they were the second batch the first batch people had really hard time you know because the ashram was just beginning and then always hand to mouth situation with all the ashram and so they didn't have proper breakfast and proper lunch and whatever then swami thought of an idea why not we invite people to sponsor a meal that's how it began there and so this idea was circulated that when you can, if you contribute certain amount then that will pay for one day's expenses and will feed all the brahmacharis that people like to do they like to feel and that's how the sponsorship started kept coming you know 
And therefore we had bhiksha after bhiksha. So it was called bhiksha rice. So sweets. So they say that in the in the lecture hall you get jnanam, in the dining hall you get ananda, satchidananda. So sit you get here, ananda you get there. So to, the direct experience of everything. But when that person from Australia may be visiting the ashram one of these days and then there was the day of bhiksha, and that is when the laddus were there. And then we saw, then he compared. He had the description and he knew, he had some kind of a mental picture of how a laddu looks like. And then he saw that. Then it became what? Immediate knowledge. Not yet. He took a piece of that laddu, put it in his mouth on its tongue. And when he tasted it, that became the aparokshiyanam, immediate knowledge. So, immediate knowledge. What is immediate? When there is some intervention between me and what I want to know. Immediate knowledge, where there is no intervention at all. So, usually the knowledge that takes place in the beginning is always indirect knowledge. In course of time, it becomes immediate knowledge. Sometimes I use these expressions, sub-pratibandhakam jnanam. Knowledge with pratibandhaka. Knowledge with some obstructions. Knowledge is there, but some obstructions are there. So, as you, as you know very well, the Vedanta Vichara, or study of the Vedanta is done in these three stages, Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam. Shravanam, listening to the scriptures from the lips of the teacher, at the feet of the teacher. Mananam, reflecting upon what it is that you have listened, so as to remove the doubts. And this is dhyasaram. Deeply meditating or entertaining that the thought flow in order to become free from the habitual error. Shravanam, mananam, dhyasaram. So even by shravanam, by listening to your teacher also we gain the knowledge. But there may be doubts, there may be the habitual error, this pratibandhaka or these obstacles remain. So it's the knowledge with obstacle. When all the obstacles are removed, Meaning that when the knowledge becomes free from all the doubts, I may become free from what we call habitual error. That is the identifying with the body. The habitual error is there. And so, when that also goes away, then it becomes abiding knowledge, becomes spontaneous knowledge. And that is called the aparoksha jnanam. That is the immediate knowledge. So, jnanam and vijnanam. This is how, that's one way of understanding these two words. Paroksha jnanam, aparoksha jnanam. The immediate knowledge, immediate knowledge. Oh, sometimes the words jnanam and vijnanam are explained this way. Jnanam is a knowledge. Vijnanam is the, what you require in order to gain that knowledge. In this case, we are talking about knowledge of the Lord. And that too also Saguna Brahma, Lord with all the attributes. In that case, vijnanam, the means of knowing that Lord becomes his bhakti of the devotion. So then devotion becomes vijnanam and the knowledge of the Lord becomes jnanam. So jnanam and vijnanam. In the seventh chapter we find both jnanam meaning the unfoldment of the nature of the Ishvara and vijnanam the means of gaining that knowledge which is bhakti or devotion. So both we will find here. There is one, uh, there was one great saint in, in Maharashtra in India, his name was Saint Jnaneshwara, and he has written a beautiful commentary on Bhagavad Gita, it's known as Jnaneshwari. He explains the word as Jnanam Vijnanam. Jnanam is 
the lord of the nature of knowledge or consciousness. Vijnanam is the lord who is manifest as the universe of names and forms. So then Jnanam means the lord who is transcendental and Vijnanam is the lord who is immanent. So lord that is manifest as the whole universe is called Vijnanam. So there is another way of explaining. This also will be found here. So we'll see how the lord manifests as the whole universe of names and forms. <coughs> All these different meanings of the word Jnanam, Vijnanam are applicable here in this in this chapter and in, in Bhagavad Gita. Sugnanam teham sabignanam. Lord is aham, I will tell you. What's the need of uh, using the pronoun aham? Because, see in Sanskrit, you need not necessarily use the word aham. Because when Lord Krishna says vakshyami, vakshyami means I will tell you. When you use the first person, you know, verb, then you don't have to use again I. Vakshami means I will tell you. Vakshati, he will tell you. Vakshasi, you will tell. Vakshami, I will tell. So, aham vakshami, you need not say. But still, Lord Krishna, aham, aham vakshami, I will tell you. As you look at me, I will tell you, not someone else. Who am I? I am the Lord. I am Ishvara. Who is manifest before you, I am the Avatara. So, Lord Krishna sometimes uses this as avatara, as a very teacher. It's important to know who is the teacher of Bhagavad Gita. So Lord Krishna is not an ordinary driver or a charioteer. He's not an ordinary cowherd boy. He's not just a learned person. He's not even a Mahatma, a great person. Not even just a realized person or a Jivan He is none less than Lord. So this also is important for us to know. That Lord Krishna, who is the teacher of Bhagavad Gita, is none other than Lord Himself in this particular form. So this was explained in the fourth chapter, in what we call avatara or incarnation. So Lord Krishna is the incarnation of the Lord. <coughs> and what is meant by incarnation? Incarnation is different from just a wise person. A wise person also, when he is born, is ignorant. And then becomes wise. And still, therefore, has all the limitations of his body-mind equipment. Even wise person also has, as far as Vyavhara is concerned, as far as his worldly activities are concerned, he has limitations. Because the body is limited, senses are limited, mind is limited, intellect is limited, and therefore he knows some language, one or two, a few languages, not everything. He knows few things, but not everything. He has some capacities and powers, but not everything. On the other hand, what is avatara? Incarnation is the one in whom all the faculties of the Lord are manifest in totality. You remember Lord uh, Swami talking about Bhagavan while explaining Om Namo Bhagavate Dakshinamurte. Then the word Bhagavan was explained. Bhagaha Syastiti Bhagavan. One who possesses his glories in the total measure is called Bhagavan. Aishwaryasya, Samagrasya. One who possesses Aishwarya, the overlordship in totality. He is the overlord of everybody, but nobody is his lord. Vairagyasya, Yashasaha, Shriyaha. He possesses Vairagya, that is passion in totality. Shri, all the, the, the glories he possesses in totality, beauty. Yashas, all the fame he possesses. 
the knowledge he possesses. And so dharma, dharmasya, the totality of dharma. So one who has all these glories or all these greatness in total measure is called Bhagavan. Although we do call some people Bhagavan, you know, out of reverence for them. So we do use the word Bhagavan also where people are very revered. Usually disciples call the Guru also Bhagavan. Because that kind of reverence they have for the Guru. That is also all right, but there the word Bhagavan is used in a secondary sense. Because the Guru also possesses certain glories that the Lord possesses. But Bhagavan in the primary sense means one who possesses all the glories in total measure. So Lord Krishna is Bhagavan of that nature. Who is, who possesses all, who is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, that is what he is. So even though he appears to be functioning through a limited body, he does not suffer from any limitation at all. I suggest that. Then of course we cannot doubt his words because all-knowing. Therefore also Bhagavad Gita has this distinction that it is in fact revealed by one who has revealed the Vedas also. So Vedas or the Shruti is considered in the highest esteem because it, as you said yesterday, is revelation of Lord. But Bhagavad Gita also is revealed by the same Lord. Therefore, Bhagavad Gita enjoys the status of Shruti. Aham Vakshami, I will tell you. Not only I am all-knowing, but at the same time I, who is, who has all the compassion and kindness to you. That's why that verse was told. Arjuna, the listener here, is compared to a calf. And the Bhagavad and Upanishads are compared to the cow. So cow, when it gives milk to the calf, is totally out of love. When they take the cows for grazing during the day, when the cows return in the evening, then they rush, run towards their cows. And it is said that the water, I mean milk, flows from the udder of the cow out of the total love for the affection of the cow. So how the cow gives milk out of love for the calf, and so also this milk of Bhagavad Gita is given to calf with Arjuna, totally out of love by Lord Krishna. So I, who is totally, you know, also in fourth chapter, Lord Krishna said, Bhakto Sime Sakacheti Rahasyam Hyetaduttam. I have told you this great secret because you are my friend as well as my devotee. So very special person. Very special relationship that Arjuna has with Lord Krishna. I will tell you. Because of love, because of total concern, because of my concern that you must become free from this sadness, you must become free from grief, you must become free from all the obstacles. I suggest that will tell you. Jnanam teham sevijnanam idam vakshami asheshatah asheshatah without leaving any residue, meaning without omitting anything. I will tell you everything. So this also is important because usually people do not tell you everything. So when we started working as an engineer, when you go to this place and then there are other colleagues are there and your boss is there and you go and ask them questions, they will tell you something. Always leave something, you know. So you have to keep on going there again and again, you know. They will not tell you everything. If at all they do not misguide you, you know. But even when they guide you also still, they will always retain their importance. I remember I was told many years ago in India, when these graduates, you know, the medical graduates, when they do a postgraduate, like surgery, 
एम एस मास्टर ऑफ सर्जरी तो दिस बॉय विल बी एग्जाम इन बाय फैनल ऑफ डॉक्टर्स हुज आर द प्रैक्टिसिंग सर्जन्स सो वट इज दैट टेंडेंसी नॉट टू पास दिस फॉलो इफ दास इम देन डेल वन मोर कंपेरिटर वट एवर द पीपल आर वट एवर दे आर सो आइडिया इज दैट even to have the openness and generosity to give everything that you have leaving nothing behind is a great thing who can do that only a free person can do that only one who has no other agenda at all can do that if i have some agenda then my agenda will be more important than my my duty and therefore i may do something but then still leave my own uh, security with me i just i often tell these people I said, all these mothers are very stupid creatures, you know, because mothers cook food with a lot of, you know, they they take a lot of pain to cook the food and feed their children, and these children are being what they are, they wipe out everything, leaving nothing for her. Now I remember what we were doing when we were children. So I said, if I become mother, which I would never become anyway, <laughs> as as Swami said that, you know, this is a privilege only for the women. And so, but still, if I was mother, I would take out my portion first. Keep it in the refrigerator, and from there, the rest of it they can have whatever they want. They never do this. Mothers never do that. Similarly, also because they don't leave any, there is no hesitation at all. There is no agenda at all. Only agenda is to feed and just to see them happy, just see them enjoy. Also, only agenda the Lord Krishna is is to see that Arjuna gains knowledge. He becomes free. The Vasishtha Pah. without leaving anything without omitting anything i'll tell you everything <coughs> so that is why they say that the guru is the one who makes a disciple equal to him there is no comparison to a guru who gives brahma vidya there is no comparison to a teacher like that there is a very famous verse in which shankaracharya says drishtanto naiva drishtah tribhuna jathare sadguru ho gnanadato ho I was looking for a drishtanta, looking for a comparison to compare my sadguru, the teacher who gave me the knowledge of Brahman, Brahma Vidya. I was com- I, in order to describe him. I was looking for some upama, some comparison. I was looking for. I cannot find any comparison in all the three worlds. So when he said that, somebody proposed to him. Well, how about a philosopher's stone, a touchstone, philosopher's stone? Yes, that is right. That a philosopher's stone. You know what it is? It is said that a philosopher's stone is that that if if it touches iron, then iron is turned into gold. That is the that's how a philosopher's stone is. Sparshashet tatrakalpya. Hey, if I were to compare my teacher with a philosopher's stone, it is true. The teacher also completely converts the disciple. Just as a philosopher's stone converts a piece of iron into gold, it's okay, but still not adequate. Because a philosopher's stone can convert iron into gold, but cannot convert iron into another philosopher's stone for sure. Whereas that's what the teacher does. My teacher, in fact, does this. He converts, he transforms the disciple to make another one like him. <coughs> So the Ashesh, therefore, there is no comparison. Ashesh, Lord Krishna says that I will tell you without omitting anything. 
such that your knowledge becomes vijnanam becomes an immediate knowledge that's that's what blesses when it is immediate knowledge that's when it blesses us <coughs> so having proposed this in the first line in second line lord krishna praises the knowledge praises what knowledge is going to impart and this kind of praise or extolling we find in more than one places in gita as though lord krishna to sell himself you know sort of to attract the attention of listeners sometimes you must you must also convey how important it is that they are getting sometimes people have no value for what they are getting is possible that arjuna may not necessarily know the value of what he is getting and so you should know that was lord krishna says yajñātva neha bhūyavñat ñātavyam avashishyate knowing which there is nothing that remains to be known yajñātva knowing which iha in this world ñātavyam na avashishyate nothing whatever remains to be known here arjuna when you gain this knowledge you know everything <coughs> you become omniscient you become all knowing really swami ji a wise person is all knowing he knows everything yes he knows everything but there are two ways of knowing everything one way of knowing of course this this part is there one way of knowing is what's the capacity of the part when was it made who made it so forth that's one way other way of knowing this part is that it is clear so as far as vedantin is concerned then knowing this part as clear is knowing it fully because what is the part nothing but clear and we have a chance to discuss that as well. but idea is that when you know the cause the upadana karanam when you know the material cause then you as well known everything that is produced from that and so also you know the whole universe how do you know when you know the very cause of the universe upadana karanam the material cause that which is the material cause of the universe when you know that the whole universe is as well known yad nyatvane avyonyat nyatavyam avashishyate knowing which nothing here remains to be known is such this is the such glorious this knowledge is and just as you know oh really then i certainly want to know you know you can know everything by knowing this yes then i certainly want to know this is to attract the attention of the listener <coughs> we'll continue tomorrow om purnamada purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaya purnamevavashishyate om shanti shanti